Amen. All right. Our kids are dismissed. Go downstairs. You can meet right up front here. Three years old through fourth grade. All right, well, um, as the kids are heading downstairs, why don't you grab your Bible? We're going to go ahead and read our scripture to begin with, and we're in the book of Jude. So you sat down. Nobody told you to sit down. You just sat down. So I'm going to have to ask you, please, if you don't mind, if you're able, go ahead and stand up with me as we read God's word this morning. Um, go ahead and not put the scripture on the screen, if you don't mind, because I'm not reading exactly what we had planned. Uh, sorry about that. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Jude. Jude is way in the back of the Bible, right before the book of Revelation. Um, if you don't have your Bible, um, then you can follow along as you listen. Um, Jude, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James... To those who are, get this, called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Is that you? Amen? Called, loved, and kept. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And don't get too weird about the word saints. It just means Christians, okay? That's you and me. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. I'm jumping over to verse 17 now. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And Father, we thank you for your word. Um, God, we need a strong dose of it today in, in our world. God, we... Uh, we need to hear from you. Uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take uh, the truth of your word, which reveals the power of Christ and the hope of eternal life in his name, uh, that that power, Lord, would be uh, claimed, believed, trusted, um, taken in, uh, lived out, proclaimed, uh, administered, that this world would uh, receive help, and hope, grace, and mercy, love, Lord, and uh, avoid the pain, the destruction, um, the condemnation, Lord, that, uh, that is found when we reject the grace that's offered, Lord. 
And we pray, God, that you would help us as believers to be encouraged, but to contend for the faith, to stand strong in it, to um, wage war against the, the darkness that is all around us with the light, with the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We thank you that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, and uh, the gates of hell shall not overcome. And Lord, we uh, pray that as we live as conquerors, Lord, in this world, that we would remember uh, we live in a battlefield. Um, there are many people who need to know Jesus. And so help us to be strong, to walk with you, um, and to rescue many. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, this morning, we uh, heard some testimonies, and if you Molly mentioned this already, but if you missed uh, the 9 o'clock hour, uh, there were two other testimonies from Gina and Marty, um, and very encouraging and uh, uh, things to celebrate. And when we heard, heard from Ashley, we're, we're celebrating uh, the common salvation that we have. When, when you as a believer hear from another believer how God has walked them through difficult things and painful things and traumatic things, you, you, your heart resonate, resonates with that. Would you agree? It's just like, I, I, I'm there with you. I, I, I'm encouraged by that. I, I'm not uh, arguing with that. I'm just like taking it in. And, and we celebrate those things together. Jude um, said, that's what I wanted to write to you about. That's what I really hoped I could share with you when I wrote this letter. Um, who is Jude? Jude is uh, a brother of James who was the brother of who? Jesus, okay, so uh, Jude is short for Judas. Um, we, we understand why he changed his name, right? Uh, I don't know how many Judases we see, you know, uh, anymore. You see plenty of Judes, uh, but not too many Judases. But uh, John 7, 5 tells us very clearly um, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, did not believe in him. While he was on this earth ministering, um, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming that he was the Messiah, leading his disciples and teaching you know, all the great things that he taught and doing the miracles, his own brothers said, mm, I don't know about this. Um, later, Jude becomes a believer after the resurrection. That's pretty convincing when your brother you saw die on the cross. I think that they were there watching this all unfold. They see him die. They see him buried. And then a few days later, here he is, popped up out of the grave. Hey, guys. <laughs> pretty convincing, so he, uh, he becomes a believer, and he said, I wanted to share with you my testimony, basically. I, I, uh, this is what I really wanted to do. I want to celebrate you know, the wonderful things God has done in my life, the fact that I rejected the Savior, my own brother, growing up with him, seeing all that he was, knowing you know, the stories from our family. I wanted to share that with you. Wouldn't you have liked to have heard Jude's testimony? Like, I, I'm curious, what happened in growing up with Jesus? What, what happened in his transformation? What, what was he doing in the church, you know, as, as he became a believer? But he said, you know, as, as important as those stories are and, and how great it is to celebrate together our common salvation, um, pause, okay, right here. It is important to share 
our stories and to celebrate. Um, we're celebrating baptism of some of our young people today, and uh, by the grace of God, we baptize a, a lot of folks who come to Jesus Christ. We always celebrate uh, like they do in heaven, <laughs> uh, just resounding with joy that somebody has found hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you hear that testimony, you are reminded, hopefully, of your own testimony, and you can go back and think about what God has brought you through. That maybe I didn't go through what they did, um, but I have been through my own things. You've been through your own things. And God has been there with you, and he's shown you his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace and his love and, and his patience and the, the fact that he won't leave you and that you can always come back to him and, and uh, you can always ask for forgiveness and he'll always give it to you because that's who he is. Um, grace is a, a great thing. Um, and that's what Jude wants us to remember, that it's wonderful to celebrate. But he said, you know what? <laughs> as much as I would love to just share my testimony with you, um, I found it more necessary. Th Let me tell you this. This short one chapter okay, of, of the Bible, um, one book, uh, it's called The Oracle of Judgment. That's what it's referred to as. So what kind of a sermon will this be? <laughs> um, I, I wish it could be the celebration, this, the just, hey, we have this awesome common salvation in Jesus Christ, and let's just rejoice in that. He says, I found it more necessary to deal with the problems uh, that we face as Christians in two specific ways. One is, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm pleading with you to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith because on one hand, the outside world is so dark and getting darker and uh, more brazen with what the world, so to speak, our, our worldly philosophy, the, the things of secularism and man, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're becoming, in, in our nation, in our culture, in our time right now, so overtly m militaristic in, in impressing evil onto everyone, indoctrinating children, okay? We have a law passed in Illinois just recently now for the education of our kindergartners all the way through in our public schools have to learn, will be required to learn about homosexuality, LGBTQ rights, transgenderism, um, abortion, and all the rest, okay, kindergarten are going to be required in their curriculum uh, to learn this stuff. Um, our neighboring uh, community, Sherrard, has uh, passed in their local school to open their locker rooms and bathrooms to transgender. Um, and I don't know where Mercer County will be, you know, we're, um, we're still undecided on some of these issues, fighting them perhaps. This is the world, right? This is what the world believes is 
right. And not only is it right, but as Christians, you are wrong to disagree on, on the basis of what? Okay. Contending for the faith means that I stand on the word of God because it reveals the character of God. It reveals that God is good and holy and just and merciful and loving and powerful and almighty and he's creator and he's the giver of law, morals, ethics. This is where our ethics come from. And so I'll just make it real simple. Um, the ethic of what is correct sexually one man, one woman, in the context of marriage. That's what the Bible says is the line. It's the only line that it draws. It says that's what it is. Everything, let me, let me say that again, everything sexually outside of that is sin. You say, well, that's pretty, that's pretty narrow-minded. That just seems like who could... Who could do that? Who could live that way? Who, how can we accept that? That's hateful, intolerant. Now, let me explain worldly ethics to you for a moment. Worldly ethics, I, I can't say ethics. Ethic is what is absolutely right no matter how many people adhere to it. Morals, okay, worldly morals is whatever is culturally acceptable in the moment. How do you get to a worldly moral Sexually. What is the boundary in our world? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's, it's a moving target. It's just constantly changing. Uh, a couple generations ago, it would have been uh, probably, okay, I'm, I'm going to assume this, probably would have been monogamy. Would you agree? Like, as long as you're monogamous, it's... That's moral. Anything outside of that, eh, shady. I'm saying a couple generations ago. In the last generation or so, even monogamy has kind of become like, well, you know, open marriage, and that's, I don't know, that's your truth, that's your thing. It's, you know, we have relatives that have posted on, you know, the wonderful world of Facebook. Um, that their marriage is so much better now that they have an open marriage. Introducing other partners into the bedroom and whatnot. Um, they're in for a pretty big surprise. I'm, I don't know if it's going to be a surprise. It, it doesn't work. Um, so where is the, the line? And, and the world says that it's love. Would you agree? Love is love. So love is the, the boundary. Love is the context. Love is the, is the ethic, if you want to say it that way. Um, so as long as you love each other, then, then it should be fine. Who's to say? Um, so if you, as a married person, love somebody who is not your spouse, then that should be okay, right? Now, we would, as Christians, say no. But what, what would the world be able to argue to disagree with that. And they wouldn't. They would say, you need to divorce whoever you're married to, and you need to be with that person because your heart won't lie to you 
And so if you love them, then that's the person you need to be with. So it doesn't matter if you're married or they're married or... So it's love, and then maybe it's consent. Let's say it's consent. But at, at whatever point we draw a line for consent, would you say an 18-year-old should be able to give consent? What about a 17-year-old? What about a 16-year-old? How about a 15 or 14-year-old? Based on what are we going to draw a line? Is it based on legal age? Who determines that? A 16-year-old in this state can become emancipated from their parents legally and an adult. Correct? Some states, I would believe, it must be younger because you can drive at 14, 15 years old in some states. So could a 14-year-old become emancipated from their parents legally? So then that makes them an adult. So is that the line? Where, where is the line? Why can't a child give consent? What is a child? You see where this goes? I mean, I'm just trying to paint a picture here for us to understand that uh, there, because there's no standard of truth in the world for how we make decisions about sexual morality, then that line becomes so indistinguishable. It becomes just an argument. And however many people in the, in the populace will get on board and agree with it. And, and if we can convince enough people or we could dictate it from a governmental level, make it so impossible for anyone to fight, then we can begin to... I don't know what the, the point is. I mean, it's a satanic agenda, and I think the point is to cause as much harm as possible. Do they know this? Do they know it? I don't think they know it. They're just deluded by a anti-truth dogma that whatever I want should be available to me. And I don't want anyone to ever make me feel guilty about it, so we'll make sure that those who are contending for the faith are somehow afraid Unable, illegal. You start saying some of this stuff, and you know, if I were, if I were to want to become a HGTV star, it's a big dream of mine. <laughs> um, or run for public office, or become a uh, some celebrity. You know, this sermon would begin to be uh, viral. It won't ever be viral otherwise, <laughs> but it'd be viral, and they would say, see, he's, a, he's intolerant, oh, he doesn't accept, you know, homosexuality, blah, 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 you know, and, and cancel culture, et cetera, would just destroy any chance of mainstream possibility for somebody who would speak out against it. And I say... That would never prevent me from speaking the truth of what this book says.
But I tell you, there are people that are so terrified that the world, so to speak, has silenced their voice. He says, Jude says, I'm, I'm urging you to contend for the faith. Stand on the truth of God's word. It is the only absolute truth, ethic, that can guide your life. You start looking for some other ethic that the world provides, and I'm telling you what, you will never settle on anything. It'll always be a moving target, and it'll, I mean, the cancel culture today, they cancel each other. <laughs> if you're not liberal enough or, or progressive enough, they'll cancel, even, if, even though they're on the same side. You can't possibly keep up with that. You can keep up with this because God has made it available to us in word and by the power of his Holy Spirit and by the grace of Jesus, this becomes the source of my understanding of this world. I know who God is. I know who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I know what my purpose is, is to help other people to find that same grace and to escape the, the same darkness that was overpowering my life. Amen. That's the, that's the celebration of our common salvation that uh, we love to hear about. Okay. So we have the world, and then we have those who contend for the faith, which is the church. But then, see, that's not exactly where he was going with this. I don't know if you know that. <clears throat> He's talking about this reality, okay? Because the darkness of the world so infects so many people um, and the escape is so narrow through trust in Jesus Christ, there will be people, there were people 2,000 years ago and there are people today who come into the church who want to enjoy the life of the church but do not enjoy the life of Christ. And... Here's what we deal with. Um, we need to recognize what a unhealthy, dysfunctional, immature, non-saved person in the church is doing here. You're like, I'm getting a little scared now. Recognize this. that there are two categories of, of people um, who fit into this distinction. One is a radical um, emissary of Satan who is intentionally in a church to destroy it from within. If that is you, please raise your hand. Okay. I was hoping we could at least find one or two of those people and deal with it. But, <laughs> okay, those, those people will never, I, I don't even know if they're in every church or in this church. I have no idea. Do they exist? Do you think they exist? There's another category, though, okay? And the other category is this. Um, people who are unsaved and immature in the church enjoy the life of the church, don't know Christ, are 
disruptive, but don't know what's wrong. Don't know what's wrong with them. Here's what's happening um, in their life, okay? They are essentially um, selfish. Everything about church is about them. Everything that they want out of church is whatever ministers to them. Fits their preference, fits their desire, fits their expectation, okay? It's all about me, 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 and the church has to meet all my needs. Now, let me step back here a second. Because it's going to sound like maybe the church isn't here to serve people in need. That's not the point. The church is here to serve people in need and to help people in need, whatever their need, to find their needs met in Christ. Amen? But once those needs are met in Christ, then that person who has found Jesus um, should grow enough to begin to uh, stop being all about me and to start being about others. That the as a believer, if, if I am always only all about me, that's a problem. I am an immature baby, maybe not even a Christian. When I received Christ, I, I gained a ministry. When you received Christ, you gained a, a ministry. Does that mean that you don't find yourselves in seasons of need? Obviously, we do. But the resources of the church are here to minister to those who are really in need, not to pamper those who are selfish. Now, here's what I love. Our church is full of mature, growing, authentic believers. There is rarely a time, rarely a time in our church where a need is not almost immediately met by the church body. I don't get, and Seth and I don't get, and Molly and Pam, and we don't get all the requests coming to, oh, pastor, I need you to come, I need you to do this. Normally, I mean, it, what happens is in extreme cases of loss, grief, Tragedy, emergency, yes, we're, we run to those situations. Most of the needs are being met by you guys. Amen? That's awesome. And then once in a while you have that person that just always, always needs something. And then you try to minister to them, but you, what you realize eventually is that what you're dealing with is a person that you will never meet their needs. Because they're not looking for Jesus Christ to meet their need. They're looking for a bottomless pit to be filled with something that we don't have. Okay? We don't have it. What we have is Jesus. And if you won't accept Jesus, then you, there's nothing else that we can give you to make you happy. So what happens is that Jesus tells a story. You guys getting bored yet? <laughs> okay. Jesus tells a story. He says uh, there's a field, 
Um, the enemy went in this field. They planted all these weeds. They grew up, and the workers are like, hey, should we go pull all these weeds? And he's like, no. Just leave them till the end, and we'll take care of it at the judgment. The church's job is not really to try to deal with non-saved, disruptive people. That's not our job. We don't kick anybody out because of whatever you know state they're in spiritually. We just preach the gospel, declare the truth. We, we contend for the faith. We continue to do that consistently without apology, without compromise. We will share the truth. And the Holy Spirit's got to do his work, and you have to receive that work, and then it, it works. We don't have to, to worry about it. He'll take care of it. Amen. But what he does say is just, just be aware. Be aware for your own heart because I don't believe there probably is in this church a radical satanic uh, entity who is knowingly working for Satan to destroy this church. I don't think that person is here. Um. But what I do know is that we all need the encouragement of what he tells us to do. He says, but you, beloved, says, building yourselves up in your most... What do I do? What do I do about me? He says, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Step one, build yourself up in your most holy faith, which means what? Learn. Romans 12, 2 says that you need to be renewed by the transformed by the renewing of your mind. What it means get the word in there. Learn, grow, study, get some resources, apply yourself to understand the truths of God and get them into your heart and into your mind. Amen? It, it, it is my job to teach you, but it's your job to learn. And, and you have to feed yourself as well as being fed by others. So build yourself up in your holy faith. He says, secondly, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit, and that could mean a lot of things. I'm just going to tell you one thing that I think it means. I think it means um, seek God's clarity in his will. Once you've learned what his word says, are you done? Or do you need some understanding? And the Holy Spirit gives you a, an understanding between my life what the Word says, and how those things come together when I say, God, please help me to follow your will. What is your will? How do I do what you want me to do? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Number three says, keep yourselves in the love of God. I, I don't think that's complicated. I think what that means is stay close. Anybody ever drift? Is it easy to stay close to God? Is that just... Yeah, I always stay close to God. Me and him are just tight like this all the time. Or is it work? Is it hard? Is it sometimes you feel guilty? Like I I, uh, I was just, I said this at 8 o'clock. I'll tell you guys too, I guess. I had to admit to the Lord this morning that I just have not been praying like I ought to. Like my prayer life has just not been where it needs to be. Just, God, I'm sorry about that. I, I have no excuse. It's just, I need to make sure that I am 
spending the time in prayer that I need to spend in prayer. Uh, it's easy to drift. I just, it's the easiest thing in the world to put this book down and not read it for a week or two or a month, to forget to pray, right? You got to stay close. You got to stay connected. You got to worship. You got to be with God's people. You got to make sure you're spending the time because once those things start to add up in your life, building myself up in my faith and I'm praying in the spirit and I'm keeping myself in the love of God, I'm staying close, then, okay, you can be a productive member of the outreach ministry of the body of Christ. He says this, once you've worked through this process and you're continually working through it, says, have mercy on those who doubt. I don't have to focus all my time and attention on me. When, when I'm right with the Lord, walking with the Lord, now I can minister to other people. Have mercy on those who doubt. Okay, We don't have to argue with them. We don't have to beat them up. We don't have to make them feel bad. We just have mercy. Um, gently lead them. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Um, there are some hard truths that sometimes we need to hear. Would you agree? Like, I need to hear sometimes, like, hey, if you don't get straight, you're going to lose your family. You, you got to get your priorities right, or this addiction is going to kill you. If you don't begin to apply God's truth in your life, you're not going to make it. Like, the path you're on is destructive. Like, snatch people out of the fire... If you're not contending for the faith, then you will never be able to tell somebody the hard truth that's going to save their life. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. It's not a popular statement in our culture. Our culture says there's no need for Jesus Christ. We're not sinners. No destruction, no hell, no consequences. We're all good. Just love each other and accept each other and everything will be fine. And we do want to love each other and we do want to accept each other. We just don't want to accept their sin. Which is what the next thing says. He says, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. What that means is, I believe, I love you so much that I hate your sin and what it's doing to you. I can't accept your sin because your sin is killing you. The world says, accept people's sin and they'll, they won't feel guilty anymore and they'll be happy. But what I know is that your sin is going to destroy you and I hate to see that happen. So I love you enough to share the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ with you even though it hurts there's a process that happens here, which is that people, they, they find themselves hurt by the gospel first. I'm a sinner? How dare you? <laughs> but then when they let that truth sink in, it heals. It's like any other pain, any other process of healing that we ever go through. It hurts at first, but I'm telling you what, when you receive the mercy and the grace, 
It's a healing power that you cannot find anywhere in this world. And so, here's the bottom line. Once I've worked through some of these things in my own life, then I can share them with other people. And I believe in the power of mercy and grace to save anyone. So I don't just believe it for myself, because I need to believe it for myself first. But when I've applied that to myself, then I, I understand that any person in the world who's done anything, committed any sin, has lived any lifestyle, they can be redeemed. That there's value in their life, that God wants to re restore them to his plan and purpose, that I begin to have hope for other people. Amen? You begin to have hope for other people, then you see that, you know, no matter where we're at, we can go somewhere better. You can be somewhere better than you are because his grace is that powerful. I'm just amazed and so thankful for the testimonies that we've heard today because it is the reality of no matter what you've done, God he still loves you. I mean, he absolutely loves you. He hates your sin, but he loves you, and he wants a close, personal relationship with you. And Father, we thank you that you make that possible through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you that uh, we have this opportunity, God, to do battle, um, to stand strong, to be committed, conf confirmed, confident to be absolutely doubtless in Christ. I know who is in me, and I know where I'm going, and I know why I'm here, and that truth, Lord, <laughs> is a truth that everyone needs and everyone can have if we would simply contend for the faith and grow in our walk. Lord, I, I pray for that right now. Those who doubt, Lord, we, we have mercy. It's easy to doubt. There's a lot of things in this world that cause us to doubt. But Lord, let us not believe in lies. We trust you. And uh, Lord, we pray that your truth would ring loudly, powerfully, Lord, in this place and from this place into our community for your glory, that you would rescue more, that this church and every Bible-teaching, believing church would be a lighthouse showing the way to safety. We pray for our world God, we, we lift it up to you. Um, God, would you, would you spare us <laughs> the judgment we deserve and would you bring about a revival? Would you redeem the minds of the leaders that are so overwhelmed with political correctness? Lord, that they don't, they're not seeing sense. Lord, would you bring them back to you? 
respecting you, honoring you, and Lord, (laughs) change the course of where we're going. Lord, we just pray that we would honor you, Lord, as as a church. And I pray for First Baptist. I thank you for this body of believers who loves you, wants your will to be done. Lord, would you protect us? Would you strengthen us, Lord? Give us courage that we wouldn't compromise ever with the standards of this world, Lord. We would proclaim clearly, loudly, even when we falter to adhere to every standard. Would you help us to never change the standard to meet our own weakness? But proclaim it loudly that you love us enough to show us how to live a life that honors you. God, we we lift up this day to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to uh, encourage you guys. I told you this is the oracle of of judgment. (laughs) It's a hard message to proclaim. I know it's not easy to hear, um, but the, the wonderful thing about the God's Holy Spirit is that he takes his word and he plants it deep in our hearts and he, he changes us. Amen? And whatever sin you're dealing with or whatever weakness or failure you've ever dealt with, I pray today that you would commit yourself again to say, God, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm on your side, and I will follow you wherever you lead me. Amen? If the altar is a place where you can come and you can lay down any burden, any request, any commitment, um, I just encourage you, if the Lord's leading you, to come to the altar. Uh, but let's stand and sing as we respond to God this morning.